what's something that what's something we can do? Oh, you know what? Here's something we can do uh, when other people aren't on. Can we get like? Can we get Rob? Rob tells a Florida story every time nobody. <laughs> oh God, that's my punishment for uh, for uh, for not fi- not get it finding a guest. And by the way, well, folks yeah. who are listening, we do have guests lined up for like the next six episodes. Mm-hmm. We just had a little slight gap. Well, I mean, it's. I think it's sort of. It it indicates the difficult but um, useful thing we're trying to do, which is, I mean, because you and I, if if this was the, the let's have white guys on podcast, I mean, we'd have it scheduled yeah. till the end of time. Yeah, that's we true. know a lot of those dudes, and and yeah. I've been sort of trying to think what is a what is a reasonable ratio to make sure that <laughs> we're you know like so so what's your opinion as to why it's important not just to have white guys on all the time? Why do you want to do that? Um, and I well, agree, but I'm curious. I'm curious for your yeah. perspective. I mean, certainly, <clears throat> you've heard the joke, right? That uh, what's a group of white guys called? <laughs> a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that joke. But there yeah. You go. So, so there's that, right? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I think See, for I thought, me, I like, thought you were going to tell the joke. Um, why don't we have or which month is White History Month? And it's well, all the other eleven months are White History yeah, Month. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. I mean, I think um, mostly it's for myself to want to such a white guy answer. Push, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. It's all about me. Let me talk about why this is improving my life. Um, no, I just think like it's um, it's important to. I think having a bunch of people like myself on um, will shape you know, shapes the podcast in a certain way, right? That, that, mm-hmm. that, that is, a, a, it's sort of like a, that's like a sculpture I can already create, you know? And mm-hmm. like, what I think is more interesting is having on things that I, I'm not, people I'm not and things I can't do, you know? Um, yep. mm-hmm. and I don't know. So yeah, that, that seemed like a, a big component of it, you know, was sure people who speak other languages have other identities, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I guess it's kind of. I mean, of course, it is. It, you make the jokes about us and so on. I mean, we did. We did. I feel like we started this in part for a lot of quasi selfish reasons, and and one of them is to get to know things and people like you say that we don't know already. Yeah, and yeah. one of the things that, like, if you just look at your roster of friends and you say, oh, well, that they tend to skew like X, Y, or Z, then yeah, I think it's useful for us to branch out and then hopefully we can offer some small platform to groups that aren't, you know, uh, that people don't call as often just because yeah. that's the nature of the nature yeah. of the field. Yeah. Um, so, so, so what is, what do you think? Uh, are we talking about like a one to four white guy ratio? I mean, we're two white guys on every show. So right. That's the thing is it, it's yeah. ruined if, it to begin with. <laughs> if we aimed for, I mean, I think part of it is, is like, I think I try to aim for zero white dudes. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. knowing that like that's probably a, a stretch goal you know yeah. um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so then uh and like i i i do have i do think it's important that we have an episode every two weeks so yes i'm gonna mm-hmm. miss that those two things sometimes aren't because of just who i know in the world don't always align well so you know people some, of color are busy too man yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Or, you know, Drop don't... everything. Yeah, yeah. Or don't even need our podcast, right? Like, there's just a lot mm-hmm. to it. So, 
Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I don't know. Uh, so check this, man. Speaking of other sort of socially conscious things in the news, I've been following with great interest the super bizarro uh, allegations of sexual misconduct with Captain Crunch. Have you been reading this? No, the phone freaker person. Yeah, yeah. So for for those who don't remember, would you would you grace us with a little Captain Crunch biography? Uh, if you know it, I mean, I can do it. If you yeah, don't I don't. I mean, I know of um, uh, his name is the same name as the person from um, <laughs> Mad Men, right? Oh, is it Don Draper? Yeah, <laughs> I think you might be right. Yeah, I think the la- I do know the last name is Draper. Yeah, because I thought it was. I thought that was about him <laughs> when Mad Men yeah. <laughs> came on. This t- tells too much about my nerd, <laughs> nerd. Yeah, right. Nerd DNA, but so. It's it's been interesting to watch, right? Because I feel like Hollywood has a sort of universal appeal, but then the floodgates are starting to open, and then all these other sub, you know, less sort of mainstream fields are starting to have people coming forward. So the allegation apparently is that um, Draper, if we're getting his name right, has had this thing going back to like the seventies, where he asks young men to get on his back or to get on their backs. And I'm talking about like for a piggyback ride, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like Arkham, Arkham piggyback rides. And then apparently none of the people that are coming out and talking about this actually have a story of like a um, conventional sexual attack, if there is such a thing, mm. but you know what, what you would expect when you, when you think about um, such things. But in this case, it was like the promise to align your chakras or something and then he'd be allegedly preying on, you know, a particular class of young men at DEFCON and things like that. So much so that the DEFCON goons were actually instructed to, like, shepherd, you know, young men away from this guy when they saw him. Wow. Um, so yet another example of, oh, everybody knows about this, but we're not, you know, we don't have, like, some, you know, a, a smoking gun or something. So then um, there's sort of like this whole culture that builds up around trying to prevent this thing from happening that we all know is probably happening yeah uh, and then the uh, the final thing i found really interesting is that the people that are starting to come out and talk about it didn't talk about it not for the classic reasons one would associate with the shame that comes from being the victim of a sexual attack but in this case because he would target allegedly how often do you have to say that anyway i don't know but anyway it, <laughs> so if the, if these targets were young men that were in better shape and, and physically larger and they were quite embarrassed that they hadn't done, they hadn't like kicked his ass or something. You know what I mean? So yeah. Huh. Weirdly targeting physically, you know, larger people um, that could overpower him actually helped maintain their silence, which I, I thought was kind of fascinating, that Whoa. psychology. So interesting story I've been following. Oh, wow. And it's bad when, well, I was going to, well, hmm. I mean, DefCon's changed a lot as a conference, you know. Um, have you have you ever attended? Yeah, I I, I DJed a DefCon conference. Yeah, yeah, in nineteen ninety eight. Nerd cred, my god! Is it was that one of the first ones? That was it. Was not. It was. What's funny is the ninety. It's only like twenty five years old, man. Yeah, it's quite. It's quite old. Yeah, it was. Um, the I miss crime. Uh, uh, one. Uh. It was weird because like that was the first one where like it was, you know, it was the kind of beginning of the dot com bubble and people yeah. were like pissed that like hackers were just taking these, you know, $100,000 
job and uh, your jobs, you know, six figure mm-hmm. jobs instead of like, right. you know, shutting down the man. Um, that was the sixth annual DEF CON. Wow. And um, I'm seeing here um, an article, Hacker Convention Takes on a Corporate Tone. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it was like there was a lot of discussion about. Um, so at DEF CON, they have a contest called Spot the Fed. And yeah, right. Spot the Fed is you're supposed to like find someone who you think is a Fed. And then you, at the middle of any talk or whatever, you can say, I spot a Fed. And then they have to say whether they're the Fed or not, and they have to like kind of um, prove it in some interesting way or not. And it was it's pretty funny because a lot of people who even were federal employees um, were they were kind of into it, you know. Like uh, I met a guy from the Department of Critical Infrastructure Protection, which was like a, I think it was Clinton, I guess at the time. But um, you know, he was a Fed, and he got he got. I mean, a lot of them are easy to spot. You know, they got mustaches. Uh, they're not like hipster mustaches you know they got like groomed mustaches <laughs> um right. there was like you know uh one one tenth of one percent were women at, at defcon 6 and it was right. it was a little tragic you know just feel like the number of male eyeballs like following those few people around you know um and it was very kind of bro in a in the most like um sure uh, programmer nerdy way, you know. But anyway, and uh, 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 a slight correction: John Draper was this fellow. Oh, what's the person from uh... Mad Men's Don Draper? Oh, Don Draper. Draper. Oh, okay, my oh. bad. Whoops. Mm-hmm. So, oh, and then before we leave it behind, um, so he was the original phone freak with a PH, and um, figured out that if you made an audible tone at a particular frequency. Which, if I recall, I think he learned to whistle. Now, is this the fellow who's deaf, or, or rather blind, or was that? Oh. Perhaps that's a, a different guy. But I feel like there was a radio lab about this, oh. um, hmm. uh, which I'll have to look look back at. But anyway, so, so this guy credited with figuring out that this particular whistle you could pull out of a um, as the toy in a box of um, Captain Crunch cereal actually mimicked the sound closely enough, and it. Um, you know, he was figuring out how the phone lines were sending each other audible signals as their method of pre-digital communication. Hey, would that be fair to say pre-digital? But it, I guess oh. pre-digital in the way that you and I understand it, where a message is more explicit, right? And so this would have been, oh, no, this would have been analog, right? So like an analog sound over the phone line. Yeah, 2600 um, hertz, right, would be the... I believe that's the case, because that's where 2600 Magazine gets its title. Yeah, that's right? what I, that's how I've always imagined it. I don't know if that's true or not, but... <clears throat> I because I, I for the longest time I thought that was the uh, the baud rate they were talking about, but I I think I was proved wrong uh, not too long ago. So you're probably right. Yeah. Did you ever did you ever try making a blue box back when you were a, a top? <clears throat> I did. I didn't know enough what I was doing to try to make it make it work. You know. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. But I do remember making phone calls on pay phones and hearing you could hear the tones when coins sure. would drop. You know. Mm-hmm. And I and that. So then when I learned about what a blue box did, it's like, oh, yeah, that that makes sense that they don't have a a gate to prevent you from just playing that tone into a right. the phone itself and then letting it rip. So it seems it seems it's funny. That's the thing about hacking, right? Is like a lot of it is just about. It's not like that a person had to develop a super fancy never developed before a circuit. <laughs> they just have to right. be like, Hey, wait a minute. I bet this would work. 
Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, and, and like you pointed out, I mean, making the thing, the blue box. And, no, so the blue box imitated um, the tones that um, said that a quarter had been paid, right, as opposed to this trunk, uh, what was it, trunk switching tone that 2600 did? Oh, yeah, I yeah, I don't, right. I don't know, yeah. That seems right. Well, it shows you uh, what our age is, because I remember trying to go to Radio Shack to get the crystals involved, and I think... This is my memory, but maybe it's I'm just conflating it with what they warned you about. But I think the Radio Shack employees actually knew that if they looked at your shopping list and saw you know X, Y, and Z together, then they just wouldn't sell you this stuff. Oh my God, really? Wow. Yeah, like back when they actually knew what was going on. You know? Yeah, it's like Photoshop, not the new scan money. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah. So, what's uh, anything on your mind uh, in the technology field right now? tech stuff you know i so i got a i have a 3d printer yeah which one did you get i got the the uh, prusa i3 mark ii um yeah yeah you, you got it right before a, a big change in the um in the design too right wasn't there I, a, a recent design change yeah as with all you know it's like yep yeah yep. any anyone you buy the next one's going to be way better and then you're just like nah. there is um there is a slight upgrade kit so you can get an upgrade that will let you upgrade certain components no, mm-hmm. um, which is is cool that they did that. Um, so I'm new to 3D printing, and I will say this: I used to always think when I saw something 3D printed, I thought like that's cool, but they didn't like like sex it up. Well, like I didn't, I didn't really understand. It's just hard to understand how the 3D printer functions. And I'll put it like this: a 3D printer, I'm learning is a whole lot more like a laser printer <laughs> than it is like like anything else like like if you're going to work on a book for a year and a half right you don't yeah. work on the laser printer on that book you write the book and then you print it with the with a laser printer right <laughs> like where and the same thing is true kind of with the 3D printer like the work that you spend is going to be in creating and modifying the thing in 3D space you know yeah. And, and then you'll you'll print it. And you know, you may have to tweak the do things to make the printer happy, but it's really such an output tool and it and it feels like it isn't. Like it it has it on first impression you think like, oh, you're gonna operate the 3D printer, you know? Mm. But really it just sort of sits there waiting for you and then you do the thing and So wait, is it this is. is this printer so um is it has it worked the kinks out so well that you really just sit down and print stuff on it without decking around with it every time? Uh, because because you are no. not describing my experience with three D printers. <laughs> no, I guess I guess no, no. I, I definitely it, it took me like I mean I had, I came in with knowing absolutely zero about right. the the real nuts and bolts of how three D printing works. Mm-hmm. And what it came down to is I had one setting that I couldn't didn't know I needed to tweak, and then once I did, my three D prints became way better. Um, don't make us wonder, man. What was the setting? It was my layer height. Mm-hmm. My sure. layer height was slightly too tall, and so it wasn't adhering correctly to the right. layer beneath it. Mm-hmm. And so everything looked like kind of like a bird's nest. Um, yeah, spaghetti. And uh, that was very frustrating. And then I adjusted it very oh so slightly. And I think it wait, I think it was that. Let me double check. This is the other thing is like this tool 
as like a person who cares about design, I mean, it's okay. Okay. I'm going to change the topic slightly, but there are many tools I really, really like and find useful that are really, really designed poorly. You know, audacity being one, right? Like audacity is a great tool. Tons of people use it, but it looks like using it hot garbage. You know, (laughs) it's like no one who opens that up is going to be like, Oh yeah, this is going to be straightforward and easy to use. Like, Yep. But it really offers a lot of value on the on the functionality side. But and I never dive into a project like that and be like, hey, I, I have a design sensibility and would like to something to offer something to this project. Mm-hmm. Like ah, it's so tough. I don't know. Yeah, isn't Audacity open source? Yeah. Yeah. What's stop, what's stopping you, Rob? I know. It's it's <laughs> get just, on that repo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. It's just like do a thing, do some pull requests, have them look at your stuff. Yeah give you some critique they'll probably be appreciative and you can move that thing down the field you know but i know i know okay let's do it yeah i know i should yeah it just audacity looks so bad and i want it to be it would be so great if it just looked slightly better and was a little bit more inviting imagine if we got together as like a sub project we got together a design super team that would just descend on you know the uh open source project of their choice and yep. just it, it, it would be like a home makeover show <laughs> yeah it would, it would. that would be yeah. pretty cool and then i think like well there's a lot of other things that also need good design that maybe like mm-hmm. move the needle in the world you know oh that's that that road is a very dangerous one to go down my super friend. dangerous i know yeah i know uh well what do you think should we look at stuff we should yeah yeah we we, we totally should I think you're first today, am I right? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'll go first. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, we got to do intros first. (laughs) Intros. Yeah, do it. My name is Rob Ray. I use the he, his gender pronoun. I run the Exoskeleton Art Space in Los Angeles, and I'm an experienced director at an interactive agency here in Los Angeles. My name is Taylor Hokanson. I'm an artist, educator, and CAD CAM evangelist based out of Chicago, and I'm a he, his kind of guy. And we don't have a guest this week. Our guest is you. Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and Taylor and I, I'll speak for Taylor, are both quite curious about who who you folks are. And um and we appreciate that you listen. And so give us a shout. It would be co- We've heard from a few people and it's always really cool and people are always into really neat stuff. Uh so if you're thinking like, well, I don't need to introduce myself or I don't have anything to say. That's totally cool. It would just be cool to know who you are and like why why you find our podcast fun to listen to. So, anyway. Also, I think if if somebody if someone's interested who's listens to the podcast and coming on, call us too. Yep. And let's yep. just let's do do a project, man. Yep. yep. Cuz I I think up until now at least one of us has been friends with every guest pretty much, right? Yeah, we have almost no one that we we didn't know, you know, at all. Know. Projects. Oh, let me um mm-hmm. Let me upload my my stuff. Our challenge is lo-fi space exploration. Lo-fi space exploration. Okay, so I'm looking at, uh, yeah, zero, zero, it's interstellar.png. Yep. Uh, This appears to be... A screen cap of some kind from a video because it has that slightly mushy look of a video still. Yep. Um, it's my, are, my handbrake rip of the film. 
Hey, there you go. <laughs> so there's a yeah. I mean, it's got that film aspect ratio kind of letter letterbox. Um, well, it's not letterbox, but you know, long and skinny. Um, we're on some kind of uh, you know, like a lunar or Martian surface or something. Yep. Uh, with um, with gray volcanic looking rock, and there are at least uh, four figures that I can see dressed in uh, you know sort of classic uh, space outfits with helmets and white suits on. And they're arranging these uh, uh, rectangular cases that kind of look like pelican cases in different colors into stacks. Uh, off to the left, there's some kind of maybe um, habitable uh, space that looks like vaguely like a shipping container, but smaller that's jacked up off the ground. Maybe they're expecting a Martian flood or something. And then um, off to the right, a couple of the, or three of the space, uh, the astronauts are in front of what might be some kind of craft in the, in a science fiction way. It's actually quite small. So I mm-hmm. can't tell if it's another habitation or, um, or a restroom or a spaceship. It's a little, <laughs> it's a little hard to make out. Uh, so that's the first image in the next one I'm seeing. And I think I remember that specific coffee carafe from your house. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, <laughs> there's a, uh, a plywood box um, that's enclosed on all sides but the front, so that we're we're looking inside with the camera, and it's maybe about uh, like two feet on a side. Mm-hmm. Um, the interior contains uh, most of a roll of paper towels, uh-huh. <laughs> and then also a glass carafe that has a, a sort of wooden collar on it. Yes, yeah, which connects. is um, Cont- yeah, 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 and it's it's useful if it's hot so that you can pick it up with your hands. Um, I can't tell if there's water inside or not, but the reflections that the glass is casting on the back of the box do make it seem like there might be, might be something in there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as we keep looking, the box is getting more, it's, there's more construction going on. And so now, um, because initially you could see that there are just little pieces of um, wood in the interior corners of the box that helped with the assembly, probably with nails or something. But now there's more strips of wood going up, uh, including a divider running vertically along the center. So it would appear to be, it's kind of like if I was going to slide in some trays with a lip on them, and they would have that kind of um, structure potentially. Yep. Uh, okay, and so so that's borne out. So we're making some little shelves in there, and um, more objects have been added that are fit very precisely. So there's a little um, like a, a male scale that you use for measuring out small weights uh, yep. that has its own kind of slot that's it's perfectly sized for. Uh, there appears to be some kind of metal uh, pot, like a kitchen pot, and then the Chemex is in there too. There's also a little bag with the logo MSR on it that I'm unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. It's a camp stove. Yeah. Okay. So now, um, as we keep going through, uh, there's just more things being added. So there's more camp stove stuff. I'm assuming a um, fuel bottle is what it says. And we're also starting to add in um, containers, not unlike the ones that we saw in the first image. So there's a container marked uh, kitchen, and then. Uh, electronics and hand tools uh rob i had no idea your handwriting was so bad it's horrible yeah (laughs) really bad uh and then we're getting some details inside so um uh, i can see what looks like maybe a battery for a solar array that's a little hard to figure out 
Uh, there's um, or maybe that's just coffee. <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, uh, yeah. So some more travel coffee stuff. Some little mugs and so on uh, in their own little shelf and a first aid kit. So I'm guessing, and I may have gotten to the last image, but I'm guessing this is going on Rob's bike because what doesn't go on Rob's bike? <laughs> I'm also seeing um, a set of books. We've got the Russian cosmists. I didn't realize that was a word. Um, high rise, uh, gravity's rainbow. Wow, you're really you're really looking to get bored, huh? So. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then that's the uh, that's the last image. So comparing this to the sort of contextualization of the first. There are all these astronauts with um, what you can assume are very, very carefully constructed containers, you know, for all the sort of essentials uh, wherever they are, you know, landing on the moon or Mars or something. And then Rob is creating a similar uh, case for his essentials, which are coffee, uh, camping gear, and um, highfalutin books. <laughs> oh, you nailed it. Nice. Yeah. So tell, tell, tell me a bit about why, why you were making it. You guys Yeah, it. yeah. So lo-fi space exploration... I was like, oh, space exploration, space exploration. Then I realized, like, I think the closest I'm ever going to get to, like, going to Mars mm-hmm. is going camping. Yeah, sure. Like, as a as an act, you know, like, like the closest analog of, like, figuring out what you need to take, figuring out how to pack it and get it ready, and then going mm-hmm. is going camping. Like, <laughs> that... Uh, so like like the going camping is a mini Mars expedition, and so sure. and also like I just so I watched Interstellar as a part of this challenge. Um, oh, you hadn't seen that yet? No, I hadn't seen it, and it was yeah. um, Murph. Yeah, it was super <laughs> annoying in certain ways, uh-huh. <laughs> but okay, also you like also really good. You know, um, I didn't. What's his name? Who's the main Matthew male? McConaughey? Yeah, he was a little bit grating for me. Um, Hollywood I don't know I don't even know how to articulate this but you know how like when you see a film and you're like wow they're really like overacting the relationship between two people in order mm-hmm. so like everybody understands like we want people to know this relationship is important you know sure. like and that was just like the film's like three hours long and so for an hour and a half of that, I'm not, no spoilers here, but for like an hour and a half of that, you're just like, okay, like, like I get it. There, there, this relationship between person A and person B is really important. But, um, but you know, there was a lot to like about the film too. So, um, but what made me, so while watching it, I was like, oh yeah, like one of the kind of things about space films that they hint at, but never really dive into is the space stuff. Like, all the crates and containers and coolers and all that stuff that like is required to actually go to space. And I did like that. Um, this is also not a spoiler that an in interstellar, you get to kind of see some space loot, you know, in the mm-hmm. ship and stuff. And, um, uh, and so then that made me think like, well, what would I take? Like if I could take, if I had, you know, a few space crates, um, what would I do? what would I fill them with? And so I decided I would make one space crate and, um, use it for not food items. So it was no, no food items and no like heavy equipment E stuff, but like basic kitchen items, like pots and pans and stuff. And then, um, how I was kind of thinking of it and my, my studio mate, William helped me think through this, like was like, if you were going to go with some groceries, 
away if you're going to go away for a week with some groceries and this container what would you put in the container and so um and it makes you think like what is not only important but like what is just important to your sanity you know like 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 i could go without um quite a few things for a week but there's certain things i would just be bummed if i didn't have and so i was like oh coffee would be really important to me so i brought my coffee set up um and then i brought a first aid kit because that seemed important that's that purple box if you can see that prudent um and then and then it got into i spent kind of a long time making this container the container as you said is about two feet high and about two feet wide roughly about 16 inches deep um and it's sort of meant to evoke i don't don't know if you ever were you ever in like cub scouts or anything like that sure yeah i think uh it was long enough ago that i was in indian scouts oh yeah yeah did they have chuck boxes then that sounds familiar, but uh, uh, I can't remember. I think it was the Chuck Box concept is super cool. It's this container that typically has legs, and you it holds all your kitchen stuff, and it mm-hmm. the front typically folds out, so it is like a little mini work surface. Um, and it's like what's cool about it is like it's where all your kitcheny stuff goes and stuff like that, and it's just always ready. So it's almost like your kind of bug out bag for earthquakes or something or storms, but it's more rigid than that. It's wood and it's meant to be not only your, to hold your cooking pots and pans and stuff, but also like your kitchen prep area. Um, and I really like that concept a lot of like having a, a box that's just ready to go. And also like, I, I don't go camping as much as I'd like to, because part of it is you're like, well, I could spend four days, four nights making a list and, getting all the things together that I want to take with me camping. But if I just had a box of all my stuff already in it, I would just go, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, reduce the friction. To exactly. Go. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of what, for me, what this box is about is like, can I have a thing that actually makes me want, want to go camping more quickly and easily? Um, so the books I put in there, are are on purpose they were the books so as taylor highlighted it's gravity's rainbow by thomas pension which i've never read and i think being stranded on another planet would be a good time to read that book <laughs> um the other book is called it's a book called a museum of early american tools and so it's like all these meticulous drawings of hand tools that people have made um and i thought that would be good because if i needed to make a tool it would be good to have drawings of tools that have been made Sure. In a very lo- lo-fi way, you know? Um, and then J.G. Ballard's High Rise, which is a book about people losing their mind in a building. And I thought that would be good if you're going to lose your mind on an abandoned planet, you know, empty planet. That having a book about people going crazy inside of a, um, a high-rise building would also be good. And then The Russian Cosmos is a book about um, a number of different... Uh, what they called co- the cosmos in in Russia, who were people who sort of pre space exploration, who were kind of obsessed with this idea of space exploration before we ever did it, and um, it's really really interesting, and sort of they had a kind of almost religious recognition of the planet planets and the world, sort of before really knowing a ton about it, and they would build like spacecrafts and stuff thinking about how to get out there 
Um, cause it was a time where like people knew what space was, but they just didn't ever imagine that they could escape earth to get there. Um, sure. and when you look at their work, it's like really early, early prototypes of what we think of as like fifties era race, space race, Sputnik stuff, you know, like design wise. Um, House anyway, the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Before it was even known, thought of as the future, you know? Right. Um, uh, and then I have some garbage bags because I thought those would be good to take to space. <laughs> and and then the last book is my just my notebook, so I could draw stuff in there. Word. Well, now of course the follow up is going to be: Are you going to get a chance to actually go test um, how well you anticipated your needs? I hope so. Yeah, I hope we have a challenge that will make me like like remote plan or something that will uh, that will uh, make me sort of hone what goes in here. Uh, further so i can and see if it actually actually works otherwise i'll just have to go camping and see if i can do it (laughs) yeah yep. the one thing i didn't get finished with this project that i wish i had was the front like the Mm -hmm. because it's the hardest i mean taylor you you probably run into this quite a bit it's easy to make a box but it's actually quite hard to make the lid sure for for me because i'm always like well duh should it and it's like do i use a piano hinge like a door hinge what, is the right thing. What you thing. need, my brother, is a uh, dado blade. You got a dado blade for the I have fancy a blade. table saw yours? Yep, yep. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, then there's some great... Because right now you're making use of that sort of um, fairly old school method of just using that dunnage wood to make your yep. um, your right angles. What is dunnage but yeah, mean? If you Oh, dunnage. I don't know if that's a universal term or not, but that's in a couple shops I've worked in. That's what we've called pieces of wood that you keep around that are of a useful size. Oh, that's my whole wood shop. (laughs) They don't recognize, they don't uh, uh, represent something specific, like a, you know, a standard two by four or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of the point of, for lo-fi space exploration for me, I used all scrap Mm -hmm. wood to try to make it, so. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, if you, I I need to get my joint names together, but... um, uh, you might be able to make it lighter, right? Because you could do away with some of the actual wood in there. Yeah. Because um, you've used scrap wood, but then some of the stuff you've got is that really high ply density um, Baltic birch, I'm assuming. Yep, that that's is. that's what a lot of these cutoffs are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so and then if you do that with the with the dado, you can make yourself like a little jig or something, and then have a lid that kind of just pops in there and wants to stay. You know. Oh um, yeah. Where then okay. it would you could just like um put a uh like a rotating tab on it or something to keep it in place as opposed to having to buy a bunch of extra hardware or whatever yeah okay yeah like a kind of pressure fit almost oh you know what you should look at oh totally here have you ever seen the classic design for a japanese toolbox no oh no oh, hang on I, i'm gonna get Uh-oh. you a picture of this i feel i feel myself burning hours on youtube looking at these you know actually this is going to be a lot simpler than you think okay. so let me find one and then I'll put it up for you. Let's do... It's like a million and one examples. It feels so obvious of me to link to make scene, but I'm going to do it. Uh, so <laughs> the... You know, it's, I mean, it's funny what, what you and I think what Japanese means, right? Because you can look at those, like you were saying, those crazy videos of making super complex joints. But this is one that's really simple where the lid... Uh, just has a big rectangular opening, and then one of the sides has um, is covered by maybe two or three inches of wood, and then there's the rest is an opening. And so what you do is you slide in this sort of barn door-looking thing 
at an angle and then it lays down flat and when you slide it back it can't get out all the way um oh. and so it's a way of making a closing lid um i i feel like as a contemporary maker you know you have that notion that some when something closes it has to be really official <laughs> like it has to really snap yeah. into place or whatever yeah but this is something you can do with zero extra hardware that i think for most purposes works pretty well and then oh, if you wow. know like if the if the door is always going to be on the side as opposed to the top then you could easily have something that slides down in there that just you let gravity keep in place you know yeah it's like a big wooden tackle box yep yep exactly with like oh yeah this is really cool well yeah, we'll, thanks, we'll link some of these yeah these are really oh yeah that's great because ironically one of the things i was trying to think of is like if i made a couple more containers it's kind of one of those things where you're like, oh, I need to make smaller containers on the inside in order to mm-hmm. not have it just feel like a trunk full of stuff, you know? Sure. Um, and these would be perfect for that. Wow. Yeah, and then if you're if you're talking about little wooden containers, then you can get into a, um, you could make yourself a little fingering jig for, yeah. those, uh, for your table saw, and then they all yeah. come out, you know, just right, and then you can keep them really skinny, use really yeah. thin material. Yeah. That's a good, yep. that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. I need to do, yeah. Ooh, these are cool. <laughs> Someone made that one out of a Festool box. Oh yeah, where's that link to that one, man? Yeah, the <laughs> Oh man. The Festool thing, I, I didn't know anything about this company. Festool is like what would you call them? Like the BMW of tools? Oh really? Maybe. You see, I, I was never sure if they were I always thought they were worse for some reason. I mean I don't have any. But the um, I think of them as being fancy, but I don't know if. Uh, tell me more. I don't know. F e s t o o l. Um, yeah, the, the only place I'd ever encountered them was they had a sales counter at a woodworking place that I go to, and then they're just branded with that fluorescent green color. But I, I just had no yeah. idea what the quality level was. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're German. Um, I I know them for their. They have a thing called a track saw, which is kind of their their biggest mm-hmm. kind of what they're best known for which is this if you don't have a table saw a track saw is a really nice second best thing where you sort of take a sheet of plywood you lay down this aluminum rail mm-hmm. and then the saw kind of fits in the rail and then you can it allows you to cut very straight cuts on a piece of plywood so if you do a lot of plywood based work it seems really good and then the shop vac is the thing their dust collection shop vac thing is also the other thing that's really really good um but they have a bunch of other stuff. Like I heard that they have a router. Like routing um, creates a ton of sawdust just because you're removing a lot of material. And I know their router is like, they say like you could almost use that router indoors because like like in like your bedroom because the dust collection is so good. The like shroud around mm-hmm. the bit um, is so well designed that it like lets you, uh, uh, it collects like all the dust, but you like to your point, Taylor. Like you can't really find a festival tool at like a home store. You have to go to like a woodworking store. Um, well, I got I got to look into that router because I my workspace does currently have carpet in it. Oh, um, yep. And if there's something ultra fancy that uh, doesn't uh, push a lot of dust, that might be cool to see. You know who? Um, do you know? Uh, 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 I like to make stuff. No, not I like to make stuff. <laughs> shoot um, oh our community and its naming conventions <laughs> yeah yeah <clears throat> uh shoot david pachuto 
Mm-mm. He has a carpeted shop but that he made yeah. on purpose. So he, he talks a lot about his carpeted shop. <laughs> and why, why did he go there? So he can uh, uh, go around barefoot or what's the Yeah, thing? exactly. He was just like, this is a space I spend all of my waking life in. Like, I want it to f- not feel like, you know, a Costco on the inside. Like, I want it to feel like a part of my house, which is interesting. I don't know. It's a good, I don't know. I, I can't blame him for that, you know. Make something is his uh, his uh, yeah. YouTube yeah, channel. Yeah, throw up a link. We'll take a look at it. Yeah, cool. Make something.tv. I like it. He, he's a very wacky person, and I, I like that that comes out in his, in his videos. Yeah, when you're... Uh, I feel like, yeah, sometimes you just can't have handle Colin Furzy, or however you pronounce that guy's name. Oh. And you want, like, wackiness with less thermite explosions or whatever. Uh-huh, <laughs> you need yeah. to have a, have a sliding yeah. scale, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not my favorite person, Colin Furzy. Oh, yeah, why is that? Because of that. Because it's, like, I think... A little badass. Yeah, it's, it's like, a, it's like, it's, like, all about spectacle in a way, you know? Mm-hmm. This is this is why I, I always desperately wanted to love uh, Juxtapose magazine and just always felt really turned off by it. Did you uh, have that same response? Yeah, yeah. Like in a lot of ways, the, a lot of the work speaks to me in ju- Juxtapose, but like the Juxtapose mm-hmm. scene feels yeah, um, a little icky, yeah. like not so rewarding to be a part of. Yeah, indeed, totally. Although if we got some cool Juxtaposers out there, you know, yeah, and that, that's the back. thing, right? Let's yeah, hear about it. Yeah, it's like a lot of people who are in that world are probably like, no, I like it just fine. I have many friends. Like, you know, like it doesn't, but from the outside, as an outsider, it feels a little weird. But, yeah. Although then you did have people like, um, who's the guy that does the paintings of little, uh, like Christina Ricci dancing around with um, cuts of meat. Uh, I forget oh. Steve's name. I'll have to figure it out, but he's, I, I dig him. Uh, and I think he was one of those artists that sort of, like who is Metallica's guy? Pusshead. What, yeah, I love I love that? Pusshead stuff. Yeah. So I feel like someone like Pusshead, you know, I mean, at his core, he really knows how to make beautiful line work that is well balanced and all that. And if he wants it to be skulls, the skulls aren't really. It's like it's like he can hamstring himself and still turn out amazing stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I feel like whenever the work, the the content is actually coming from the presence of the skull. As opposed to just, you know, I happen to be interested in badassery, but here's, you know, it's like he could illustrate anything. And yeah. It'd be really incredible. Yeah. Mark Ryden um, is, is Mark that Ryden. Oh, I, 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 somehow I got it right as you did. Oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. Mark Ryden's another example of that where his, just his, his technical ability is, is kind of mind blowing. Mind blowing. And, yeah. and a little bit upsetting. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he has such a style. Like, Ryden? That's something that in my own work, I really wish I had more of. <laughs> it's it's really hard to uh, put style into uh, technocentric work, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I do think that. Yeah, yeah. Corey uh, Archangel for, did a good job of it. It does a good job of it, I should say. I think. Uh, I mean, I th- I think he he did an effective job associating his work with his style. But are you? Because you you are, are you have a personal acquaintance with him, right? Well, I mean, only very very briefly, but um, I I think yeah. I mean, I think. I think in a way he's done a good job sort of taking taking a, a style that sort of was created on accident by industry mm-hmm. and like yes. bending that to his will in this really interesting way. Like he used he we used for a while like I think it was front page 98 to build his website. Like mm-hmm. 
on purpose, which I think is um, really smart. So this one's going over my head, so you'll have to help me out there. <laughs> remember Microsoft, so terrible about front page 98. Remember Microsoft front page? The was that the operating system, or was this a way of making websites? <clears throat> it was like Microsoft's way of like, it was like a, how would I just, it's funny now to say, it's like, um, you know, you know, I, uh, you know, like, um, oh, what's that thing called? They were like, you can, you can, um, like iMovie or like, um, what's the music one for Apple? Uh, like garage Band? Garage Band, yeah. It was a tool that was in that oeuvre, mm-hmm. right? That like, of like, anyone with a little bit we know you we know you have creativity inside you you just need the right tool to to bring it out and so front page was there like you can build a website just use our templates it was sort of like pre pre squarespace thinking you know sure um but you know with all the design chops of microsoft in 1998 (laughs) 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 so yeah all right, you want to take a peep at my uh, at my Let's week's contribution? Yeah. It's a movie, one minute long, and um, you'll want to uh, uh, make sure that you catch the audio. There's going to cool. be some stuff going to dim the lights, you know. Um, should I just watch it? Uh, like by myself or should we watch it together? Uh yeah, let's watch it together. Well, I mean, yeah, let's watch it together as you'll see um yeah, how whatever you think makes the most sense. So yeah, we'll do a 3 2 1 click and then we'll click uh the play button together. Okay. So, uh-huh. 3 2 1 click. Ooh. There's a lot of suspense. <laughs> Oh, the sound is great. It's this very eerie, very light echo. And this looks a lot like a super cool, very cratered black and white moon planet shot on what feels like a super eight camera, like very high contrast. This is really awesome. (laughs) Thanks, man. Oh yeah, and it's like the, it, it's like we're looking at, maybe maybe we're at like thir- maybe we're at like, um, uh, like low orbit, so like you can see the roundness of the planet. Oh, that's and it was like slightly turning, so it's almost like we were like an orbiting satellite kind of height mm-hmm. level, and uh, there was a really nice kind of a low humming backdrop and like a little kind of space beacon like boop boop like submarine <laughs> ping yeah. and like the cratered surface of the um planet was kind of slowly turning by um and it's totally like what you would see looking out the window of your cardboard based spacecraft <laughs> and like <laughs> <clears throat> And uh, hope that you land in a very forgiving, soft hole inside that very dangerous and scary-looking planet. So, so what makes you feel? Do, do you feel that it um, it feels lo-fi? 
the video itself? I'm curious. Uh, let's see. No, no. Does it make you? Let's see. Let me, I'm going to look at it again. And that's not a suggested value judgment on my part, but because you were talking about the cardboard spaceship, and I did have that sort of lo-fi thing in mind, I was curious if this if this felt that way. I think what it what makes me feel that way is it feels like. <clears throat> It feels planet-like, but it could also mm. be like a like a microscope, like a video recorded off a microscope of like a mm. bone structure or something. Like like it has sure. planetary planetary vibe, but yeah. it doesn't feel like. Speaking of Interstellar, it doesn't feel like a multi-million-dollar budget <laughs> it, of of what we think space looks like. It 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 feels like um, it looks almost more like very much like like a you know when you see those images that they record of like comet surfaces and stuff that are just super yeah. pitted and gnarly and goth and frozen and just harsh as fuck. That's what <laughs> that's what this looks like. Um, more than like it's a dreamy planet you want to land on. You know. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So I. Um... My challenge that I set for myself, and, and then going kind of meta on it, part of it was I said I really have to stop doing projects that I work on for all two weeks. Yeah. Because there, there were a couple in there like, um, man, when I was putting together the Haiku website, I just slammed on that thing over and over. Yep. <laughs> so yep. hard. And so this time I was like, you know, I'm going to pick a sort of framework to work in and let that inform stuff. And if if I get something that is not my specific intent. I'll just follow it as opposed to saying, no, 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 this needs to look more X, you know? So I, I really was yeah. trying not to craft it. I was trying not to know what I wanted as much. And so the idea was, can I take, uh, can I make something that is convincing just using things from my kitchen? Um, so do you want to take one more guess as to what the planet surface is? <laughs> oh yeah. Let me take a look at it. Yeah, oh, yeah. you say kitchen, right? Yeah, yeah. As yeah. a sponge? Close. It's just it's a loaf of bread. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I got I got a, there's a coffee place and bakery down the street for me and they gave me a free loaf of bread cuz I'm always, you know, in there at night when they just got to get rid of old stock. Oh yeah, that's cool. And so I cut it lengthwise so I had a fairly big surface to work with and then one other non-kitchen item is I had an old security camera laying around that you're supposed to stick in the peephole of your door so it's a um it's got that sort of spherized spherizing oh effect my God. um and then i i so i put the um bread on my workspace and just put a two by four on either side so that i could rest my forearms next to it yeah and then held the camera really close and then just really slowly dragged uh the camera towards me and then the, the spherizing is all just sort of in camera so that's not you know, that's not a faked on the computer side. Whoa. Uh, that is, so, <laughs> dude, you're, that's so, I hate these. It's so creative, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blushing over here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so cool. And there are some other funny things about working with it. So all the sound is also from the kitchen. Um, there's a bathroom attached to our kitchen. So I went in, it's like a little powder room. So I closed the door and then um, flushed the toilet and then was really just like stretching the sounds out and audacity. So again, trying not to do too much to it, but I was just pretty much just working with time remapping. Yeah. Um, 
So in Audacity, I stretch that way out. So there's like a gurgle from a toilet flush that's, you know, like 1% of its actual speed. And you get that kind of hiss. And then the beeps are the microwave, but it's just slowed down again oh, so that the pitch changes and all that. That's so cool. Um, Dude. There's some other stuff in there. <laughs> so, yeah. But, so the nice thing, you know, for once, so this took like, I said, okay, Wednesday, I'm going to do it. And then I actually had it done in, I, you know, before lunch, I think, because I just kind of let it happen instead of really trying to, you know, so if a beep would sound a certain way, I would just kind of follow that. And because originally I downloaded some of the audio from the actual moon landing and thought, you know, like, can I really get the microwave to sound exactly like that sort of ping they have? Yeah. And then yeah, you yeah. think, dude, just let let it go, man. Like, yep. release yourself. Yep. Um, either rip off the ping or let do a different thing. Um, and then the, the funniest part of the whole thing, I think, apart from the bread, was that I had this camera that was RCA out. And then I'm like, well, what am I going to do with that? <laughs> so I just had to tear my apartment apart figuring out what the method was it was going to be and i and i finally had to tape it i had to go from the camera out to another old camcorder that would take uh rca in and record it onto a mini dv tape and then i had to play it off the camcorder to my television and then i had to film it with my iphone or something <laughs> it was this huge this huge ridiculous signal loss you know chain in order it's to get perfect this thing looking, yeah, back on the computer, yeah, I thought I thought it looked great. I mean, I I blew the contrast just a little bit uh, for kicks, so you got that kind of like because the moon landing had those really great like whenever a light would come, it would really blow out the image for a little while. Uh, so so that Taylor, I, this I is like a whole another calling for you. <laughs> hey man, that means a lot coming from a lowly media buyer over there. Yeah, this is so <laughs> this is so cool. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. Glad it re- came across well. Yeah, it's like really wow. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, you know, speaking to your earlier point about um, we were talking about how hard it is to have a style in the you know technocentric realm. Yeah, and I and I feel like um, it's also really hard to do that sort of romantic thing where you just show up in the studio and work. Like yeah. you don't like show up and oh here's my canvas and I just need to like unwrap the paint palette or something uh-huh, and get right uh-huh. back to it yeah you know it, it has to be like okay all my stuff from alibaba came in and i had to wait <laughs> you know 50 days for cheap shipping and then like yep. this thing is wrong and the, the, so much of it is just spreadsheeting as yep. opposed to yeah feeling it and so this the, this project for me at least uh wound up with a, a great deal more of feeling it than normal which i which i really liked we have a challenge to come up with a challenge but i feel like i've just been uh i've been put, uh making so many suggestions i this one's this one's 100% rob baby let's step step back but i came up with the one from last time wait which one was that lo-fi what, space, space one yeah well that's true i get i guess <laughs> i i just made it, i think my suggestion was the dollar store which we amended yeah wow so, but, so maybe i'm not pushing yeah. my weight i don't yeah i don't here. feel like and that was a super super smart amendment well excellent so so what do you got in mind this time i have a so you hit on a topic though that i thought was good a couple Mm -hmm. of them we talked a little bit about just like how to fit um projects into your life and i think Mm -hmm. that's a that's a huge topic and and a challenge for anyone who is a creative person who also lives any kind of any any life it's like how you fit that in there um I thought style was an interesting Oh, like new media style specific conundrum. Yeah, like like 
like the process of trying to develop your own style or like mm-hmm. even just creating something that is style or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. That popped in my head. Uh, drawing was also an interesting, there's something in there that is very scary to me. Um, but cool. <laughs> uh, cause I, I really can't draw. And as you've seen Taylor, my handwriting is horrible. Um, and I rely so much on a digital tool in order to to draw. Um, it makes me think like uh, I'd have to think about how to work into the format of the show. But we could do like homework where <laughs> where we give each other homework because <laughs> oh. it would it would seem that you know your homework our homework should probably be something that we are uncomfortable with, but that we you know not 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 for the torturous reason but hopefully because we could be pushed to make a breakthrough in a way, like if, if it's an externalized challenge from somebody else. I mean, I guess that's what these things always are. But it just gets me thinking about how home, homework tends to be assigned by somebody else, not in the same way as a challenge. Yeah, I, I just put that in the air. I'm, I'm having trouble differentiating it from what we do every time, right, which is to have these challenges to respond to so Mm -hmm. i mean what what would be cool about homework is 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 it's left to each of us to determine the other person's homework yeah or or like even what we ourselves need to do homework on oh i like that so we we just have to take a good hard look at a are you familiar with the term swallow the frog no it's a it's a great one I've been trying to use myself where you get up in the morning and you think about all the things you want to do or you have to do, and then you think about the thing you want to do the least, and then you swallow the frog by finishing that work first. Oh. Oh, yeah, like taking on the hard part first? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that's I beat that drum at work every single day. So should we swallow the frog this week? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. is that doing doing the hard thing? Or the yeah, thing that doing, we think needs needs to work. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the kind of thing where it's hard to sum it all up well in a short amount of words, as our titles tend to be. Yeah. But I, I think when when talking talking it out, the thing that we want to bring back to the table is like I sat down and I looked at my creative practice, and or you know, I mean, to the extent that I think our just our lives are our creative practices and the kind of blend together so there can be some interpretation there but it, but yeah so maybe yours is you learn how to draw in the next two weeks <laughs> but uh but i mean that's up to you you gotta figure that out yeah yeah that's good so so for our guest yes how would you describe swallow the frog yeah i think it's that you want to um sort of assess your creative practice at a meta level uh-huh you know sort of from an external level and identify something that you have to do but don't want to <laughs> you know what i mean like something that's important and uncomfortable and do it does that sum it up yeah yeah identifying or let's say tackling what's important and uncomfortable cool. yeah yeah, that was fun coming up with that. Right. Yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, cool. Anything you're into? Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. So I was just working on a project that involved, like I was trying to come up with um, uh, puzzle pieces for this uh, this proposal I did 
And so looking at different kinds of three-dimensional puzzles, and I got really into burr puzzles. Have you encountered these before? No. Uh, the burr, B-U-R-R. So burr puzzles, um, they're made up of these little geometric forms. So if you imagine taking a little rectangular stick of wood that was maybe you know five times as long as the height and width, which are the same, and then you sort of cut some notches into it, then they can be assembled together to articulate so they lock together into a roughly spherical form without any glue or you know fixtures or anything. Um, so there's a specific kind called an Alta Cruz, or which is German for Old Cross, or Alta Crusa maybe. And then um, so that one, which was first described in 1890, there's 12 identical pieces. And then there's this really cool, like you'll look up solutions online and I don't know about you, maybe you're better at these things than I am, but dude, I would just never, ever have figured this out because it's where like you put most of the pieces together and then you actually open it back up again, but only partially to slide in the last components. It's really cool oh. if you look up like videos online. Yeah. These things make me so mad. Yeah. These puzzles. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah like the, uh, the, the bent nail inside, you know, trapped inside the yes. container or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm no good at them, but it, I did find it interesting to just sit down and do some really good old fashioned, you know, I had to like really joint and plane out the wood and then table saw it in a really specific way. So it was super precise. It was yeah. really satisfying because the parts, you know, you just push them together and they kind of sink into each other where there's like a satisfying amount of friction, but it works. Um, so that was exciting. So I, I just made four pieces of the 12 to, you know, start playing around with their shapes. Um, but that's one thing. And then um, I've also been watching uh, One Mississippi, which is Tig Notaro's uh, oh, yeah. show on Amazon, which has been great. I'm um, really excited to see that because as someone who grew up in the South, oh I, yeah, I'm curious about, I've heard that she sort of tries to tackle what it's like to be a Southerner in the show, but like a Southerner who isn't like, you know, going to NASCAR every week. Well, and a Southerner who is gay and out and has a lot of huge medical problems. And there's just this whole stack. It's, it, it fits with my family's perspective on dark humor. Yeah. And there's also, (laughs) you know, characters in there I found relatable. So, um, that's something I've been really into. And then did I mention the book old man's war last time? I just finished that one. Uh, oh. It's a uh, yeah, just in case I didn't. It's a, it was lent to me by a friend, but it's um, it's more recent. I was surprised to find it was two thousand five. I think it's a relative newcomer science fiction writer, but it's about a future where there's great technology in space, but it's held it's held away from people who live on Earth, and the only way you can get access to it is to join the military. But you have to wait till you're seventy five. So they Whoa. take you off of Earth, and then it's assumed that they have to do something pretty significant to your body to make you a useful member of the military. So people will sign up hoping that they'll go into space and then just you know be freed of all their illnesses. And it's not. And the answer, of course, is more complicated. And it's cool to see how they sort of feel out uh, the ramifications of those technologies and so on. But it's, it's called Old Man's War. I really enjoyed it. So oh, that's that cool. Uh, yeah. So what are you into right now, boss? Uh, I have a couple things. Uh, I'm re- there's a cool podcast called the missing words podcast. They're only on episode three. Um, stay strong people. You can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You've already made it. Uh, as who someone said like, Oh, Oh, it was, um, Eric and Kelly, Eric Newton and Kelly coin on. They're like, once you made it past episode three, you're, you're a podcast. 
they interview sort of musician figurey people, but they're not, um, you know, it's not uh, Billy Joel or people like that. And their latest interview is this guy, Cosmo Vinyl, who I didn't know. He was mm-hmm. the Clash's manager, and he also was the manager of, I think, Ian Dury and the Blockheads. And <clears throat> it the podcast starts with, a, it's a recording from one of his um opening so i guess how the manager used to work is maybe sort of like how dj khaled used to work or works you know where he's like the hype man you know like he's he's he gets the crowd ready uh for the show and he has an amazing voice and just has this super great in like um intro for the clash that he he did, and they they started the interview with that. And then he's also a, an artist, like kind of a political artist. I think he lives in D.C. And his work was great, and he was really an interesting person to hear. So anyway, it's a Missing Words podcast. Um, and episode three is an interview with Cosmo Vinyl, K-O-S-M-O, and last name Vinyl, which is a great also like aging punk rocker name to have. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. um, another thing I'm into is this app called the called Breaker. It's a podcast listening app, and it's um it's pretty interesting I tried it once and then I didn't it didn't stick and I'm trying it again and it's sort of a social it sort of tries to make a, create a social component to podcast listening so you can favorite things and kind of f- follow other people but it's not gross or creepy and um <laughs> comment on other people's podcasts and so that and that sort of creates an interesting kind of discussion ecosystem around podcasts that I think is is kind of missing you know like I think it's it's hard to we post our episodes on social media and I think it's hard to know if you're really speaking to people who want to listen who listen to other podcasts and have kind of integrate community around that. Um sure. in a way that I think YouTube has done successfully for video, you know? Um so it's cool they're trying that out. Oh, let me wrap us up. Uh you can find photos of our finished projects on our project site called projects.opposablepodcast.com. Uh I would encourage you especially to go there this week because I think we have some pretty cool stuff to show. Uh, Taylor's video is really worth seeing, um, especially now that you've heard how he made it, which is really great. Um, you can listen to our episodes directly at opposablepodcast.com. You can also subscribe uh, to Opposable Thumbs with iTunes Overcast, Stitcher, uh, Breaker, and all these other podcast apps. I definitely encourage you to check out Breaker, see how you like it. Um, we will send you an Opposable Thumbs sticker, as some people hopefully have theirs, uh, that we've sent out. Um, just share a podcast episode on social media. And give us a shout, and uh, we'll send you a sticker. Our uh, awesome neon thumb wrestlers logo was created by the mighty Wolf Mask, and you can check out his work at wolfmaskart.co.uk. Uh, he's a super cool person, and every time I look at our logo, I'm always super stoked about it. <laughs> um, Patreon, we would like to give Nick a shout out as our top Patreon supporter. Thank you, Nick. Um, I think Nick just may have purchased a new motorcycle, which is cool. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Nick, we want to see a, you burning a wheelie down uh, down the LA freeway. <laughs> no, no, we don't. No, we do. We do. But also not getting hurt. Um, if you'd like to join Nick and the League of Patreon supporter badasses, please go to patreon.com slash opposable thumbs to sponsor us. We have three sponsorship tiers there and uh, anything you can donate super helps. Um, code of conduct. Here we go. Our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, 
knowledge of subject matter or religion or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment and we want you to be a part of it. You can check out our full code of conduct over at our site. Taylor, we have finished another episode of Opposable Thumbs. Well 19. done. Woo-hoo. It's fun. It's fun as always. Yeah. 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 Totally. And we have a great challenge. Let me make sure. Let me list repeat it really quick. Here's what I, here's what I wrote down. And so let me mm-hmm. know if you feel like this is good. Swallow the frog. Tackling something important and uncomfortable in your creative practice. Yep. I love okay. it. That's exactly okay, cool. what it is. Cool. Cool. Woo-hoo. Cool. I'll send that to our guests, our upcoming guests. And like I said, listeners, we do have many cool guests lined up. Uh, so expect more there. Also, just a heads up that we are going to take a little bit of a break, not break, in the as the holidays approach. So we may do an episode or two that is has no challenge, but is just um, us talking about what we're up to. Because um, as everyone else is during the holidays, things get hectic and busy and lots of squirrely things come up. Uh, but we wanted to have a little bit of an episode, uh, just maybe not one that requires... Uh, a big project <laughs> in the throes of it's also hard to get guests um, during this time because you know people have family stuff they're doing so Indeed. yeah um that's it taylor have a good uh D game tonight oh will do it, it always is man i i've uh i've crafted a um delicious encounter with uh centaurs and let me tell you googling for pictures <laughs> of centaurs on the internet will um will oh. really uh Curl your hair, my friend. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Okay, ready? <coughs> yep. Ready? Let's do it. Let's do it on clip. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what? <laughs> have you just got have you just got like a soundboard going or something? I, <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> okay, ready? You hang on a second. Oh, yep. Yeah, okay. One, One two, two, three, three. Oh wait. Clip. Oh shit. Wait, wait. Sorry. Let's do it. Let's try it again. <laughs>